Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, it was episode nine of Blended. And that was a really thought-provoking show because we talked all about handling diversity in business. Is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? We talked about the truth behind targets, and we shared our our ideas for practical and intentional actions that we could all take in our businesses to make sure we're driving positive change. It was really interesting. So if you missed it, make sure to head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to get catch up. It was episode 204, or you can catch up wherever you subscribe blended over on Apple and Spotify as well. We also had an episode with Where to Go and their unique thoughts on the distribution strategy, having multiple facilities, and how they work with you with their very amazing technology to really help you empower your employees and empower your distribution cycle. So go and check that out as well. That was episode 203, wherever you subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Or again, you can go to the website under podcast. We've got a category filter and you can look up any category that you're looking for solutions for in supply chain. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. E2Open is an end-to-end supply chain software platform helping the largest companies in the world with the most complex supply chains in the world. They are partnering with their customers on collaboration, visibility, network connectivity, and handling disruptions. And they see that the ultimate value lies in people and meeting their needs. That's why they partner with their customers. If you are looking for an end-to-end supply chain solution, check out e2open.com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We have so many new and exciting things happening. We are rolling out five new live shows starting at the end of June, ramping up into July and going forth from there. We also have some really, really, really big news about a franchise. So if you haven't heard about it, go to our website, check out all of our news over at Let's Talk Supply Chain, especially on our LinkedIn page, because that is where all of the magic happens. Today, I'm joined by a woman-owned and operated intermodal company specializing in intermodal, LTL, FTL, and specialty services. Any idea who it is? Well, I will reveal it all after the question of the week. So the question of the week that we asked was name or tag four people that you haven't met in real life and you would like to. This question got so many comments. I mean, especially since we've been mostly locked down for the last 18 months and haven't really been able to see each other. We've all made incredible connections online either through Zoom meetings, through LinkedIn, and now it's time to get back into in-person conferences in real life and go and meet those people that we've we've created those incredible connections. And I was super excited to see everybody 
getting excited, getting passionate about meeting everyone. And I won't go through them all because there's so many comments, but I implore you to go and check out the question of the week that's on our Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page. Uh, We also got pretty crazy on my personal LinkedIn page as well. And you can see all of the comments and the tags there. So now back to today's podcast and which dynamic logistics provider is joining me today? Well, it's Nishal Logistics. Nishal Logistics is on a mission to be the best third-party logistics provider in the industry. Since its inception, it's earned a reputation in the transportation industry as a reliable and valuable provider with a dedicated, experienced staff. And the team strive to build and maintain lasting relationships with their carriers so that with their help, they can provide their customers with the smoothest transportation experience possible. Today, Christy Nischel, owner and president at Nischel Logistics, joins me to chat all about our company, what they do, their unique family-oriented approach, and the numerous benefits of working with a certified women-owned operated business. Let's get to know a little bit more about Christy before we dive into the business. So Christy, a lifelong Pittsburgh native, is a second-generation logistics executive. Since taking over as president of her company, Knischel Logistics, in 2007, Christy has been the driving force behind their yearly growth and reputation as one of the top service providers in the IMC community. Christy's proudest accomplishments are winning the inaugural Distinguished Woman in Logistics Award from the Woman in Trucking Association and her appointment as the Intermodal Logistics Conference Chair on the TIA Board of Directors. Today, Christy's focus is on expanding conditional logistics footprint via strategic development and continuing to offer her team members opportunity for growth, along with advocating for women in leadership positions within the transportation industry. So welcome to the show, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you here. I mean, we've known each other for a while. You've joined me on Thoughts and Coffee, and I'm happy to have a whole show dedicated to you and your business today because I just, I think what you're doing is amazing. You are amazing as a person, as a business owner, and I love what you guys are doing in your business as well. And so I can't wait for our listeners to find out more. So before we dive into the company, tell us just a little bit about your journey. I know we covered a little bit in your bio, but you know, it's so similar to my own. It's really inspiring. And I think for people to hear about entrepreneurs and successful business owners who come straight out of high school, work their way up, learn absolutely everything there is to know about their industry, especially women. So just give us a little bit of a an insight into what that journey has looked like for you. Absolutely. It was definitely a fun journey, but I started when I was young. I was 19 out of high school, um, you know, working a, a couple jobs, managing some pizza shops and some other things. And obviously college was not something um, I felt was for me. So I worked for my father at a, you know, the young age and you know, didn't even know what he did, but it was very interesting industry, very challenging, um, male dominated, very male dominated 20, 40 years ago. So working my way up through the company, having some challenges where some males in the industry from the carrier side and customer side didn't even want to talk to me because I was a woman definitely was interesting. Um, I will say though, my dad definitely backed me up 
um, when that happened and fired a customer and told the carrier if he didn't want to talk with Christy, since she's the manager um, at the time, you know, we're not going to use you. So it was pretty cool to have that. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of am a person that just jumps in to get the job done. So no matter what it was in the company, I started out intermodal dispatch and then obviously worked my way up into HR and payroll and collections and claims and doing pricing and LTL and, you know, truck brokerage, booking trucks. And it was just uh, a lot of different things. And, um, you know, I just enjoyed being able to learn it. My dad started taking me on sales calls out of the state, going to California and different areas around the country. Being able to sit with him and hear how he talked to customers and just the different cultures. We deal with a lot of different cultures in our industry. So understanding what the culture was, he would teach me, this is how you have to be when you're in a meeting with these people, especially cultures that were, you know, like Japanese, for example, you have a lot of males that you're talking with and being a woman, you have to be a certain way. And I think that's changed to this day, but, um, I learned a lot of different things and I was a very quiet, shy person, Um, but I had to learn to come out of my shell. And I think my dad's military background and police background, um, the way that he dealt with me almost pushed me to make myself better and prove that I could do the job without having the college degree. One of the things I talk about, um, my dad would always interview people and say, they got to have a college degree. They have, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, I don't have one. (laughs) Um, You know, my sister didn't have one. We all worked for the company. So, you know, I think the other thing I can prove is even though you don't have that degree, sometimes you can still be successful if you put the time and effort in and work hard, learn what you're doing. Um, And the biggest thing I think that helped me was just reaching out eventually, coming Mm -hmm. out of my shell and talking to people to, you know, figure out what I needed to do. I think at one point I thought I had to know it all. And, you know, what are they going to think if I'm asking them, you know, how do you do this or how do you do that? I had to get over that and realize there are people that want to help you. Uh, So that was a big, I think, change for me once I realized there was help and it wasn't such a big deal to reach out. So it was very interesting. I love that. And I'm so glad you shared your journey with us. I mean, when I say that our journeys are very similar, I mean, they're extremely similar, Um, you know, to the point where you took over the company and I started my own stuff on the side. But really, you know, I went into it straight out of high school and I can relate on so many levels to everything you just said. So let's get into your company. What does your company do? Tell us exactly what you do, the story behind the brand. How did it come about? Like your dad, I mean, you said military and police background. How did he end up in logistics? (laughs) So originally from New Jersey. um, Yeah, my my dad, I think, just decided to that his family was actually in logistics, owned a trucking company, um, some parts of his family. So he decided, you know, I'm going to try to get into this. He actually worked for the Katy Railroad. Initially, that's why we moved to Pittsburgh um, with the railroad and they wanted him to move to Omaha. And that's when he decided he didn't want to move again. My parents had separated and he decided to go on the 3PL side of the business. So that was, you know, a very long time ago. And, you know, I think the decision for him to do that um, was was pretty awesome. That way he could stay around us kids and want to build something for himself. My dad was always a hard worker, had a really good work ethic 
Um, and I think obviously that's where I got my work ethic from. <laughs> so it, it was definitely interesting. When my dad started Kanisha Logistics um, in 2003, it was specifically because all three of his kids worked for him. He knew he would retire at some point and he wanted to be able to leave a legacy basically for his children. He named the company his last name. It's our, it's our last name. And so you're known in the industry by that name. So when you say that, I mean, even to this day, I work with people that work with my dad, you know, 30, 40 years ago, which is pretty cool. But um, that's how the, the the company, you know, became, uh, you know, opened in 2003. So one of the things I would say that I wanted to do with the company and behind the brand and in what we've done um the way my dad managed the business is a lot different than the way I manage the business today. I talk about my dad's military and police background, love my dad, great opportunity, but dealing with people was not, I would say, you know, in the office, his forte, like it was one of the things that I had to change the culture as far as, you know, how we do treat our people. I'm not saying that it was anything that was bad, but that military background, that, get it done and do it this way. And, you know, where I felt it had to be a more, um, you know, personal way with people, you know, you want them to do a good job for you. You got to treat them a little bit nicer, even though they, you know, there's a lot of mistakes that happen in this industry Mm -hmm. that make it challenging. And we all know some mistakes are very expensive. I don't think people try to do that stuff on purpose, but, you know, I think early on, that was one of my biggest things. Like when I had the opportunity I need to change this culture so that we can continue to bring people on people that want to work with us and stay on board with us Yeah, because the worst thing you want to do is continue to, um, constantly, you know, train people because they're, you know, leaving and they don't like the environment or whatever the case may be. So that was my number one goal, wanting to change that culture and having it a place where people wanted to come to work. They loved coming to work, even though it was a challenging environment. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, about the company, I mean, we were truly an intermodal company, an IMC, intermodal marketing company, they call us. So all we did was ship with the railroads at the time. So that was something um, that we did a lot of business with. But as we built the business up and brought on salespeople, we started to branch out into other avenues or modes within the, the business. And we started with truck brokerage first. And that really came out of a need to of our customer base that we had. When you have a customer you're shipping rail with, you know, they're probably going to have truck, yeah. maybe not necessarily LTL, because that's another division that came out of it as well. But we wanted to make sure we could capture that customer and keep them with us. Because if we couldn't do that mode for them, then they might go somewhere else yeah. and then take the intermodal business with them. So I really wanted to have a best in class customer service business for our customers. It's all about the customers. Without our customers, we would not be here today. Without our employees and what they do, we would not be here today. So that was extremely important to me. I know every company says they have great customer service. Not that they don't all try, but you know, that's really my number one focus. Um, you know, making sure we do that, whether it's something we can do for them or we can't do for them, but handling it in the right way to where they respect the way you're handling their business and the yeah. transparency and being honest. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's dive into and break it down 
uh, break down all of your services, right? You've kind of given us a high level, but I want to really dive into the different services that you offer because you do offer a lot, right? Intermodal, LTL, over the road, specialty. And so for those that might not know, do you want to explain the difference and give us some detail on all of those services? Sure. So with intermodal, that is a service where you are putting your product in a container that a we call a dray carrier picks up at the origin. You might have a container that's at a ramp that they have to go pick up. There's ramps all around the country. They go pick up at the customer. There's certain blocking and bracing measures that have to be in place for intermodal shipping. As when you put it on the train, there's a lot more movement than just being in a truck going across the country. True. So those are things that we have to make sure our customers know and they do so that there's no claims. Um, and once the, the container is put on the train, we track it across the country. And then a driver on the destination side comes in, picks up the container um, after it's put on a chassis and then delivers it to the customer. Again, with rail, you're going to have your long haul service be a lot cheaper than a truck across the country. Most trucks now um, that are doing the the um, that used to do the long haul, a lot of them like to do the, the regional and be home at night or on the weekends. So rail is really good for that or anything over 700 miles. So that has been something that is our niche. 75% of our business is on the rail. So that is um, a big portion of our business, but also there's a lot of untapped business with those customers on the other sides of the modes. So again, with rail, you're gonna have a little bit longer transit times um, in there in certain specific areas. But on the other side of it, with rail, like right now with COVID, there's a lot of challenges um, with the rail, but then figuring out how we get through them and working with the railroads and our dray carriers to figure out other options. And it's not just the big boxes, the 48s and the 53s. 53s are the most prominent boxes that we use, but there's also 40s that you can move domestically as well. Most of them move from markets that go into the port areas like your L.A., Portland um, Houston, those type of areas, Savannah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's intermodal in a nutshell. And, and, and then, what about, well, yeah, what about the other services that you're offering? Cause like it, it, there's so much that you guys are doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. So on the truck brokerage side, that's actually an area that we're really, um, working on this year to significantly grow. So the truck brokerage side, again, you know, that's a lot of what we do is dedicated it's not your transactional business, even though we're getting a lot of transactional opportunities right now. But we do have a lot of the dedicated same moves, same carriers that we handle for customers. Pretty, you know, for the most part, easy type um, business. And, you know, that stuff is contracting carriers, having those relationships, which is key with mm-hmm. the carriers to do those that business for you with our customers. Again, you're picking up at a facility. That same truck is going to the destination. You're looking at a two, three-day transit for the most part for most of the stuff that we do. It's usually that shorter haul type of stuff. We do have some stuff that comes out of, say, California when there's peak shipping times for product that needs to get there faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so you will see some of that that you know that we handle as well. Yeah. And then on the LTL side, it's another division of ours that's really growing as well. Um, less than truckload. We have that strategic partnership with Blue Grace Logistics. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's worked out well for us. I mean, I would say in the first year, I think we tripled our business. And then it's, you know, been probably 10 times fold since then. So that allows us to be able to use their carriers direct pricing. 
their network. They're a $500 million company, so they have a big spend with the LTL carriers. They have a system that we're able to utilize. Customers can utilize, get more data, and be able to really look at their supply chain and what they have moving. Because maybe there's some moves that we can actually consolidate and say, well, you can, if you wait a few days, you could put all three of these on a truck, that type of stuff. Um, so that's really helped us as well. And that's been growing tremendously this year in particular um, in in all over the different markets we have across the country. So it's been really good for us. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit, because that's kind of my next question. You've done, you've done a few of these strategic partnerships. I think Blue Grace has been more at the forefront and we've been talking about more collaboration in the industry. And for a family-based business, I mean, the strategic partnerships are really an, an unusual approach, right? It's not traditionally how we think about the business, how we think about growth. So how are you thinking about that? Why were these strategic partnerships important? And how is collaboration and working in partnership really, you know, part of that vision for your future of the company? I think it's important because if you want to grow your business, you have to step outside of that. There's a lot of family businesses that don't, they're okay with what they're doing. But for us to be able to grow and then continue just to keep the customer base we have and have these other servicing offerings, we had to. Like with yeah. the LTL, we didn't have enough in hands to be competitive to get the business. So right. we had no option other than to look outside and try to find you know other options. Yeah, we've utilized other companies at times, um, but Blue Grace just happened to be the best option in that situation for our LTL side. Another thing that we have done as well is we went and purchased a local truck brokerage back in 2012. And that was specifically to help us build that truck brokerage base up for us, bring on some additional revenue and business. We brought on some of the people. The owner of the company actually still works here. He yeah. didn't want to leave. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably telling because he had a five-year contract and he asked if he could still work here because he loves it. And, um, you know, that gave them, though, the opportunity, him and his sales staff, to obviously sell other services that they weren't selling. Mm -hmm. So we felt, okay, now you have a, a market of customers there that you're just doing truck brokerage with. I'm sure there's intermodal opportunities, maybe LTL opportunities, and they, they didn't really sell that before right. um, or didn't know who to partner up with. So... That was a benefit to us. That was a benefit to them. Um, and then, you know, for the vision of the company, like going forward, I just feel we have to be able to have options in all different areas. And a lot of the collaboration I do even now is reaching out to other competitors sometimes, you know, can you help me in this area or that area? Or even more recently, there's been opportunities with customers that we just couldn't do the business for them or handle the certain situation more probably because of COVID right now and how bad the network or challenging the network is. But what I've done is actually referred them to other, you know, companies that I know that can mm -hmm. help them. And in turn, they're giving me different business that we can do. And I think they're thankful that I've been able to help them by giving them another option with someone else because we couldn't do it. Right. And I'm not afraid to do that because then at the end of the day, it all comes back around. You know, yeah. we're all trying. I think back in the day, one thing I talked about on another show last night was you would never talk to a competitor in the past. Like mm -hmm. you wouldn't even think about that. Now it's who can I talk to? How can I help you? How can you help me? And I think that's been probably one of the, the most exciting things for me 
just to see how that's evolved and how it, it truly does work and it's beneficial. That gives me goosebumps. I mean, you you know me well, so you know what I'm about to say because collaboration is the future of business and you're living proof of that. And I love the fact and the way that you're thinking about this, right? We need this fresh perspective and that mindset around this, this industry, bringing innovation, talking to each other, seeing how we can help each other. That's how this industry is going to thrive. And I love that you're at the forefront of that. So we can't really get through this conversation. You mentioned it before, but COVID, right? Because I think a lot of us at the beginning of of the year thought we might be in a slightly better position right now. But here we are, you know, June 2021, and the challenges are still coming. And never before has logistics been both so important and in the spotlight. So what have you guys seen from your perspective? And do you think, you know, will COVID change the face of logistics forever? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I think we all thought that things would kind of bounce back and be a little bit better by June of this year. And I can tell you um, this year has been worse than last year. It's been the most challenging year in my whole career, even people I talk to that have been in the industry 40 years. So yeah, I think um, there's going to be a new normal, whatever that is, I'm not sure. But I think the way I'll say right now, the way the international market demand is right now, Mm -hmm. that's going to continue through the end of the year, probably into next year. Um, I don't know that there's an answer of when that might stop, but most people don't realize the international market affects everything in the U.S. as well or other countries, because when that stuff comes in, it gets transloaded, either goes on a train, a truck across the country. Um, So that just adds another level of, you know, how are we going to continue to get through this? What are the challenges? You're seeing certain, you know, the carriers are picking and choosing who they're picking up freight for. I think customers, like whether they're shippers or consignees, are having to look at how they do business, making sure they're not keeping carriers there long. How can they make their um, facility more friendly to carriers that they want to pick up their shipments? There's customers that don't allow you to come in until like midnight and carriers are like, well, I can pick up other freight. I don't need that. I mean, even if you offer them three times the pay, they still don't want to do it. So I do think there's a lot of companies out there are going to have to change the way they do business. Um, And then even companies like myself, there's challenges getting employees. Um, Now the whole working from home, there's companies out there that are, are, you know, the talent pool is opened up because if you feel you can have certain positions work from home, now you can have someone across the country and not in your office. Whether that's going to work for everyone, I don't think, you know, it will, but some companies, it will work for them and it's going to be a challenge to keep people. I know some companies have lost some people because they were able to get a job working from home four days a week and getting more pay to do it versus coming in an office. And Mm -hmm. so that's definitely challenging because on the operations side of things, we feel it's more collaborative being in the office and it's hard to be collaborative when you're not in the office. Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't mean that that job still can't be done and be productive and, you know, phone in and stuff. It's just that feel is different. I think we have some time to figure out how is that really going to work? Will it work for a little while? And then companies go back to just, you know, being in the office or whatnot. But um, it's definitely challenging as an owner or, you know, just running a business, figuring out what's the best way to, to navigate through this. So, but in the same token, I will say as challenging it's been, 
it's opened up a lot of opportunity. Yes. So that's the part about it that I love. You're talking to a lot of people you might not have been able to talk to. There's a lot of disruption that's going on. So then, you know, we have an agent side of our business as well. So that's also opening up doors there on the agent side where other companies maybe can't help or do the things that they were doing before. Um, you know, so there's definitely a ton of opportunity we have sitting on the table now that, you know, I don't know if it would be here today if this didn't happen as well. So it's good Mm -hmm. and it's bad. Everything happens for a reason. That is something that I live my life by and I may or may not know that reason, but it all happens for a reason. And there's a reason why we're going through this. And there has been so many shifts, challenges, opportunities, you know, talking to people that we never would have spoken to before, uh, saying yes to opportunities that we may have not said yes to in the past as well. And so I love everything that you're saying. But, you know, talk to me about being a woman-owned business because it's a really big deal. I mean, what are the benefits of working with a certified, you know, woman-owned business as a supplier? And why should businesses be be paying attention to supplier diversity and, and considering that as a part of their plans? So I think it's a big deal just because there's a lot of companies out there that are the smaller mid-sized companies that can do just as a good job as a larger company that isn't a woman-owned certified or a minority you know, owned company as well. And it doesn't mean you get guaranteed business, but it gives you that opportunity, that opportunity where I can tell you there's some customers we went into and they're kind of like, I'm so glad we found you. You're like our hidden secret. But they wouldn't have known that if they didn't find us, you know, through a network for the supplier diversity. But I can also tell you on the flip side, like some of the larger companies are some that are really engaged in it. And they have the whole teams that work with transportation departments to help, you know, get that within their groups. Because some of them have, you know, quotas that they have to hit from a percentage standpoint of the revenue moving with minority owned or woman owned companies. So that's something that I think I've seen transition over the last five years where it was very difficult at first. And now it's becoming, I think, a little bit easier because there's so much out there in the media now around Mm -hmm. that and how important it is for inclusion for everybody. Um, and I, that's the part of it that I think is great and being able to be diverse about it. It's, there's so many different companies that have different niches and can do different things. And this is what I tell my customers, even though we're smaller mid size compared to maybe some of these large ones that are out there, there are certain markets that we can probably help you in better than what they can, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't talk to us, but now they're talking to us because of the supplier diversity in some areas. So That's definitely something that I think um, is good for any company to do, and not just because we are woman-owned certified, but because there's other things that we can bring to the table that bigger companies can't. We can be more agile, flexible, pivot, like do all these different things and do unique things. Um, There's not a lot of red tape to cut through here to get things done. And I think some of these mid-sized, larger companies we work with have seen that and Mm -hmm. seen what we have been able to bring to the table. And I almost want to say, feel almost shocked that like, wow, they actually can do the job, like being a smaller company out there. And I think that's why I put so much out there about it, because I think it's important that they understand there's a big mix of companies out there. And just because Mm -hmm. you're large and have your own assets doesn't mean that's your only option. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, we couldn't have this conversation without talking about all the awards and recognitions that you've had over the years, because you've had them both locally in your native Pittsburgh and also more widely in the industry. I mean, I have been inspired watching all of that happen and watch you win those awards. And I think it's absolutely amazing. And, and, you know, apart from being fabulously women owned, what is it that makes your business so special and you so special, you know, um, around these awards and these recognitions? I have to tell you, I'm very humbled and it's almost, I feel like I wake up every day thinking, is this my life? (laughs) I think this past year I won 18 awards and yes. And we're kind of on a run rate of 13 to, to that almost on a yearly basis now. Um, so it's pretty incredible. Um, I think it's extremely important to put yourself out there to be Mm -hmm. heard, to be recognized because sometimes you just don't feel that you are. And it also helps with customer engagement for them to know who you are. Um, and, it, to me, it's just, it's something that I can't even explain. I know I won the first ever Distinguished Woman in Logistics Award. And when I won that award specifically, I felt that I made it. I felt like this meant that I am recognized in this industry as, you know, this woman that has made it and is making a difference. And that's the part that I love about it. Being able to make a difference in other people's lives being able to speak about it, mentor other women, help them in areas where I haven't been able to, and not just women, but other people too. Um, I have a huge network of people that I talk with and I encourage them the same thing. Apply for this award. I'll nominate you. You got to do a lot more of that too, so that I think it helps boost your confidence so that you can build your business up and be able to show everyone that you can do it as well. Um, yeah, it's it's just something that is very humbling to me. Like I said, it's I, love I can't it. even explain it. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And I would not be able to do it without the team that I have here. I have mm-hmm. an awesome team here in Pittsburgh and um you know, it's amazing that the the job that these people have done and the dedication and I think what's special about my business is the fact that I have people that have been here 12 15, to 15 years. They've grown up with me in this business as well and helped me get to this point. And I think it's so special that they care about it as much as I do. They care about the customers. They care about the carriers. We want to make a difference. We want to make an impact in the industry, almost like, you know, having a pathway specifically, not just for companies our size, but women in general, too. Mm -hmm you know, making sure they do have a voice. Um, There's several women that have reached out to me that I talk to and work with. And the biggest thing I tell them is, you know, put yourself out there. You know, even though I didn't want to do that and I didn't want to speak and I got super nervous and, and it took a lot of time, but like that has helped not only me personally, the business, just everything. And now I feel like I can give that back to everyone. Like the fact that people look up to me is just, it's remarkable. I love that. And, and, you know, you talked a lot about being customer service focused. And I think, 
you know, it really comes through and your passion comes through in every single time I hear you speak and it comes through your team. And I think, you know, that's also something that's extra special about you guys. So let's dive a little bit deeper into the company. Who's your ideal client? Who do you want to talk to? If I'm in the audience and I'm thinking that Christy can help me, what do I look like? And why, when should I pick up the phone? I mean, I think the ideal client, or I would say, you know, most of our client base is those smaller mid-sized customers that struggle to get what they need done or to get to that next level. I was in that spot when we started, right? We were small. No one really wanted to do business with us. We haven't heard of you, um, that type of thing. And it took a while to build that up. But, you know, our our customer base is small, mid-sized customers. We do have large customers as well. So we can do all of that, but we do a lot of food. Um, you know, we do a lot of different markets, but food business, I would say is really, you know, something we're very good at. We started our business on shipping rice. We're like one of the bigger rice shippers out of California. Wow. I yes. have no idea. Yes. That's all we shipped when we actually went into business for the most part, we did some nuts and, um, some wine and canned goods, but a lot of it was rice. So, you know, that's one thing too, that I think helped us through COVID as well. We shipped in a lot of different commodities, where, you know, it didn't, it wasn't affected or people are still eating. So you're shipping food products, but, you know, just to give you a little bit of a conversation I just had before I came in here um, with my, uh, the guy that runs our truck brokerage, he was just talking about some new carriers too. And like, we have processes in place to bring new carriers on board. And here you have a driver who's just starting out in the business, trying to get a load and you couldn't get a load for two weeks. I like to take those risks and help people be able to get to the next level because if nobody gives them a chance, they're never mm -hmm. going to get there. Sure. So to me, you know, having that, that customer that, you know, feels like they're, they don't have the opportunity to do something because they're up against these bigger companies. Let's talk and let's figure out what we can do to help you because there might be something that we can do to get you there. Love that. Love that. Now, now paint me a picture of how you help a customer. Like what's a challenge that they would come to you with? What is the solution that you provide and what's the benefit that they see by working with, with you and Knishal? Yeah. So one in particular was, you know, a few years ago um, where we were trying to move freight out of Texas, going to Florida, could not get trucks, um, they, the rail was not an option for this particular lane. It just wasn't going to work. So we had to kind of think outside of the box where sometimes I feel people are in their own silos and they don't really think that way. We were able to come up with an option where we could ship the product on a barge from huh. Texas to Florida. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And it got brought to a warehouse and then they could put them on trucks and then get them delivered. And you know, obviously the benefit of that was them being able to get their product there so that they could sell it when they mm -hmm. couldn't get it out at all. Um, and part of it too, I mean, it wasn't even just a pricing thing. There was just no trucks that were even willing to take it for a certain price. So mm -hmm. being able to come up with an option like that, that we don't typically do, we don't specialize in, it's not that we're looking at that. And there are other companies that do that. But just to even think outside the box, well, you got Texas, it's on the water, Florida's on the water, <laughs> to put it on the barge and send it over there. So it worked out perfect. The customer was so thankful, um, you know, and it, it just made everybody happy all around. So it was a yeah. great, great situation. Well, and, 
And that's what makes a good logistics partner, right? Because you're a shipper and you, you do know stuff about logistics. But again, like you said, not everybody knows everything. And to be able to partner and have that conversation, say, listen, I am having a heck of a time. You're having a heck of a time. I really, really need this product in. Let's sit down and what are our options? And as a logistics provider, really looking at the different options, I mean, barge, right? I mean, right. I'm sure you looked at all sorts of different things and then and then you, you came up with that barge idea and it worked out perfectly and now you can utilize that again. Right. And so when you work together and you've got a logistics provider that thinks outside of the box and thinks about these different ways of moving the product, then not only are you helping them, but you're also helping your future customers when that type of situation comes up again. And I, you know, I just kudos to you and your team for thinking outside of the box and just making it happen, right? Because that product is really important to not only your customer, but their end, end consumers and their customer experience and their returning customers to come back and buy from them. And so, you know, it's really this, you know, uh, circular, I don't want to say circular supply chain, but it's really just this community of people coming together to make sure that everybody win is in a win-win scenario. So what is the future of initial logistics? What, what can we expect from you? I mean, you're already doing so many amazing things. What's next? So we have a lot of stuff on the plate. Um, now we're strategically growing our truck brokerage to really scale it. I want to become a $250 million company. I want to be in that top 53 PL list. Um, so that's a huge goal for us. And we're putting a plan around that. I'm looking at purchasing a building potentially for more space to bring in more people. And another big thing too is I'm on the board of the TIA, the Transportation Intermediaries Association. So if you're not a member, you should become a member if you're listening. They advocate for the industry. And one of the big things that we're trying to do is really be the voice on the Hill for the whole industry in every mode. And that's something now that there's a new president, which is a woman, which is awesome. Um, I'm really working with them on that and working with the government. Um, that, you know, they meet with Congress and that's something that I'm going to be doing. And yesterday I was actually on a call talking about the FMCSA scores and how we can push more legislation to make the transportation industry better for everybody. So that's going to be a key thing for me to get more involved in as well, which I think ultimately will help the business and get more stuff going on out there. And then, of course, the last thing is just continuing to mentor and help other women and other people and the individuals in the industry. Um, so I, I just, I just want to give back and continue to grow my business. And it's a lot of fun. Well, I cannot wait to see what's next and what you've just been talking about and follow you and continue to connect um, because I've, I've loved getting to know you and you've inspired me all the time. And so I think everything that you're doing is great. And I love getting back to my roots and talking about 3PLs and family businesses. And I just love how much energy and passion you bring to your business and to the industry. I mean, you're really flying the flag for women-owned businesses and uh, cannot wait to see what's coming up next for you. So a big thanks to your team and to Christy for helping us make this episode happen because I am 
sure that the audience is going to be taking away so much from this conversation today. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure and I hope we can continue to talk and we'll see some great things for both of us. Yeah. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest, or you can use our category filter. We feature so many incredible companies that can solve different challenges within your supply chain. And so if you're having a challenge in your supply chain, go and check out our category filter. And we most likely have interviewed the solution that could be the answer to the challenge. And remember to come back next week for a very special episode. I don't want to give away too much, but I can tell you that I'll be joined by Jonathan Kemp of Verify to share some very exciting news with you. And I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this one. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a a few ways to support the show. You can follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, and even on TikTok. You can subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain. Next, visit Ships and sign up. We are in full beta. And if you are a forwarder or a shipper that wants to streamline the process of working together, we have the solution for you. So go and get in touch. Go to the website. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. You can always you can also get that supply chain dictionary for free. So if you're following us on LinkedIn, go and check out one of our posts. We definitely have a link in there for you. Um, to either get the free supply chain dictionary, or you can also right now get 10% off everything in our store when you go to those links and you fill out the information. We are also giving away some merch. If you watch our live show, Thoughts and Coffee, on Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, and you are engaging, the merch, the giveaways are going to be going to those who are engaging with us the most. So go and engage with us so we can send you some free stuff. And remember, go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to share your feedback about the show on one of our next episodes. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.